we are uh, continuing our journey through this series of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent today. And we're talking about discipleship, talking about the Christian journey. Today, we're looking at Psalm number 122. And if you're using that Bible in front of you, that's on page 886. Uh, If you remember, the Psalms that we're reading were kind of like the Spotify playlist or like the the custom-made mixtape, perhaps, uh, that was that God's people used in Old Testament times when they traveled to Jerusalem multiple times a year for these important festivals. As they went on this pilgrimage journey, they would sing or recite these psalms. And these psalms were reflective of the shape, of the, of the kind of structure of that journey. And we found, you know, and I've encountered this in the work of Eugene Peterson. He wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, where he looked at these psalms and pointed out how that journey of preparing for the festivals in Jerusalem is a lot like, has a lot of themes in common with the journey that we walk today as followers of Jesus, the journey that we walk of discipleship. And so we're exploring, kind of following along with Eugene Peterson's book, each of these psalms and each of these themes to, uh, to learn about what it means for us to follow Jesus today. So the first one that we looked at, that was Psalm 121, and it was, uh, or sorry, Psalm 120, Psalm 120 was the first song of a sense, and it, it was about repentance. And it began very far away from Jerusalem, which made sense. They're going to Jerusalem, they're starting far away from it. The author made reference to some far-off places, and it was all about turning away from where they were and turning towards God. Turning away from the lies that they were believing and turning towards the truth that they were discovering in God. And this turning, we called it repentance. And the week after, Ron, he brought us a sermon out of that next song, and he shared this idea of watching. So like while they were on the road that they were keeping watch and it talked about how God was watching over them and how the the promise that this God who was watching over them would never sleep or slumber, which is the big temptation for someone who's on watch. And then and then Ron actually brought us into the New Testament to the story of Jesus in Gethsemane. It reminded us that Jesus has actually invited us to join with him in that work of watching, of listening of being attentive. So there is the promise that God is always watching over us and also the invitation for us as followers of Jesus to join in that work of watching, of paying attention, which is a very important part of our discipleship. And you'll notice something different in our psalm today. At least in terms of setting, the first psalm was set far away from Jerusalem, right? And the second psalm, it was obviously on the road, But in this psalm, we have seemingly arrived. The backdrop of this psalm is Jerusalem. So verse, that's where they were going, right? So verse 2, it says, Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Now this doesn't mean that the pilgrimage journey is over just yet. (laughs) We have a lot of psalms yet to work through, many different parts of the journey of discipleship. But today's psalm is really special because we get a picture of what happens on arrival. All of the Psalms of Ascent 
were about getting prepared for the arrival at Jerusalem. The pilgrims were all involved in this work of preparing for when they arrive in Jerusalem. And in this psalm, we get a big picture of what arrival looks like. And while there's probably lots that we can think of as we imagine the end of our paths as disciples, there's one key word or theme that I would like us to turn our hearts and minds to this morning, and that is worship. So this morning we're talking about worship. When we think about arrival, maybe worship is the, is the word that comes to mind. If you are thinking about arrival in the Christian journey, which if you're thinking about arriving, you're thinking about the end, right? About being united with God in heaven. Perhaps then the thing that you would think of is some of those images that we have in scripture of gathering together, of joining our voices in worship with the chorus of voices, right? So it makes sense that this psalm about this arrival in Jerusalem also points us to worship. Before I continue, Ron, can I ask you to go downstairs and get me a whiteboard? Because later, I'm going to need to draw on it. And I know you brought it out for prayer last week, so you probably know where it is. <laughs> I just realized that I forgot to get myself a whiteboard. <laughs> um, now, there are lots of things to talk about on the topic of worship. There have been many books that have been written. Uh, there are all kinds of interesting facts that we could go into, like the New Testament word for for worship, proskuneo, and it, that, that implies like, like pros, like it implies like lying down, like prostrate, like actually laying down this idea of like this, uh, this humility in which we come to worship, the reverence that we have for God. Um, so you know, we talk about what do we learn about worship through that, or, or the Old Testament system of worship, which involved offering sacrifices, right? Like we usually think about the sacrificial system, and when we think about the sacrificial system, what we end up thinking about is atonement, Right? The idea that like through sacrifice, sins are forgiven. But the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was not just about atonement. It was also about worship. What could we learn about worship through that? There are so many different places we could go to talk about worship today. My hope is that we can just get a little bit, um, <laughs> uh, that, that you know, we could go on and on with facts, like those facts. My hope is we can go a little bit deeper than facts today. Is that all right? All right. So if you've been coming here in the last, I don't know, eight or so months since I've been pastoring here, uh, you'll remember that we've come to the topic of worship a couple of times already before today. In our prayer series, we did a week where we talked about prayers of adoration, and we just gathered together. We had this beautiful service, and we just worshiped together. In the book of Philippians, we took a week where we were talking about the ways that art has facilitated worship in the church. And instead of trying to, you know, do an exegetical sermon on that beautiful poem in the middle of Philippians, I encouraged us to lean in with our imaginations and to bring, you know, uh, uh, artwork and beauty into in, in our practice of worshiping God, to just do the act rather than to get into all of the theory of it. Um, today, I've chosen to invite us into the practice of worship as well. And we've had some, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> um, we've had some very special Sunday gatherings where we spent that time in adoration and we sang those songs. Today, um, and, and I want to say, like, when we did those things, I, I think 
all of that was, like, to use the biblical language, I think those were good and pleasing offerings that we brought to God. Those are really special times that we shared together. Today, we're still going to be leaning into practice, but, it, we're, you know, we're still going to be worshiping. When Brian and the team were leading us earlier, we were worshiping. When we share communion later, we're going to be worshiping. In this next little bit, while we hold our Bibles open and we seek to learn about who God is and how he relates to us, his church, and what it looks like for us to live faithfully as people who follow him, this is also worship. Amen? Does that make sense? So it might not hit us in our emotions as intuitively as music or art has the ability to, but this is also a part of our worship. So today, we're going to be doing worship, we're going to be participating in worship, but we're also going to be learning about worship, yeah? And, and here's why. Here's why I think this is important. So worship is a part of the regular rhythms of the Christian walk. I remember one author went, went so far as to say that worship is actually the only appropriate response that we have when we have an encounter with the holy. It's the only appropriate response. And so if this is, this is those sorts of encounters, those are a part of our journey as Christians. And especially if we're repenting, right? That first song for repenting, if we're turning towards God, especially if we're choosing to be watching and to be attentive, what is going to flow out of that is going to be worship. So what does that mean and what does that look like? Well, I think our psalm today, while not exhaustive, has a few really good insights for us. If you want, you, can, you, you might already be there. You can turn back to it. In, it's a Psalm 122, page 886 in the Bibles here. We're just going to take a look at it together. So verse 1, this is what it says. It says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I think this is such a beautiful place for us to start. The psalmist says that when people invite them to go to the house of the Lord, so when they are invited to go to Jerusalem or to the temple or to church, when they are invited to go to the place where worship takes place, their instant response is rejoicing. So worship is not something, this is what we learned, worship is not something they come to begrudgingly. and It's not something that they resent having to do. There is a bubbling up of joy that comes with the invitation to worship. And this really struck me as I was preparing this sermon. Worship is a joyous activity. Now, this isn't to say that we only worship when we feel like it or when we feel good or anything like that, but it's simply acknowledging that there is something really good in worship, something really wondrous in worship. There is something special about coming together as God's people to worship. And whether that worship is in song or it's through communal practices, or it's, um, you know, it's actually the worship perhaps is some kind of sacrificial giving of our time or our talents to, you know, our specific gifts, or that worship is something else entirely, there is a joy to be had in that place of participating in worship. There is cause for excitement and celebration. And this really got me thinking, because I don't know about you, but I have not always experienced worship in this way. There have been a lot of times for me when I was a kid, when I was an adult coming to church, that worshiping did not feel like a joyous act. Um, not that it was something that I resented or I didn't want to do, but there have been times when it felt like I was walking through a set of motions. Stand up, sing a song, sit down, hear a sermon, rinse, 
repeat, and onward we go. Well, this psalm provides us with some insight into the beautiful gifts that worship has for us and how they spoke to the heart of its author to produce joy as they got ready to enter into a time of worship with their people. And my hope is that exploring that together today will help us if we ever find ourselves in that rhythm of worship feeling rote, that remembrance of the good that's there, of the beauty that's there. That's can be a, this can be a, a, a gift to us. So in the book of, of Psalm, sorry, in his book on the Psalm of Sense, which we're loosely following for the sermon, Eugene Peterson, he points out three main reasons out of this psalm that inspired joy in the pilgrims as they, as they traveled to Jerusalem. We are not going to get to all of those today. Uh, but if you're really keen to hear more, this is a perfect time for me to just quickly mention that we do have groups at our church that happen midweek. And some of those groups are actually, um, they're, uh, they're, they take discussion questions that I prepare after these sermons centered around these psalms. And, uh, and they go and they discuss them even deeper. So if you were in one of those groups and this week you were talking about this sermon, you would be talking a little bit more deeply about those things that Eugene Peterson talked about. So that's, or you can buy the book, I guess. That's, those are your options. Um, <laughs> or you can just email me. I will send you the questions. Um, but, uh, but this is a great chance to go a little bit deeper. And I actually, I really do believe that some of this work, some of this reflective work, digging in deeper is best done in community right? So next Sunday, if, if you're curious, next Sunday, you'll actually have an opportunity to potentially join a group, uh, and you could be a part of a deeper discussion like that. Some of our groups are going to be welcoming new folks, and, uh, and next Sunday after church, they will, uh, they'll be there, and they'll say, hey, come talk to us. We can tell you about our group. So that's an opportunity for you next Sunday. You can also just email me. I will send you the questions. I'm not going to gatekeep you on that. So, um, uh, but I do think, yeah, I do think there's value in, in doing that kind of deeper exploration together as a part of a community. Anyways, uh, Eugene Peterson, he highlighted the, the three main reasons from the song that worship inspires joy in the heart of the pilgrims as they travel to Jerusalem. We're not going to have a time to explore all of that, but I want to just, just pick out a couple of these gifts that worship has for us and point to them today. The ones that were speaking to me this week as I was preparing and praying for this sermon, as I was thinking about our church and who we are and where we are. And so uh, if you still have your Bibles open, we're going to look specifically at verse 4. And then, uh, again, we're in Psalm 122. Looking at verse 4, this is what it says. It says, uh, it says that, which is in reference to Jerusalem. It says, that is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. Um, other translations make a, a big deal about the idea that Jerusalem is not just where the tribes go. It is where all the tribes go up, where all of the tribes ascend, where all of the tribes together gather on this pilgrimage journey. And this highlights to me one of the beautiful gifts of worship that turns my heart to joy is that worship is an amazing unifying force in the church. Every single week, you and I, we go out and we live our lives and we experience these like atomizing forces, right? Atom, like fracturing forces, things that pull us apart, right? And over here, we've got to be this way and then this is pulling me in this direction and this is pulling me in this direction and, and I've got this obligation, but it's kind of conflicting with this and what do I do? And we feel torn apart. I think that's like part of the plight of the, the, like the modern person, 
right now. This constant pulling in all of these directions, stretching and pulling us apart, fracturing. There are all of kinds of forces that do this, from the media that we consume to the things that we experience to our work and our leisure. Like everywhere you look, there's all kinds of things that are doing this. I'm not gonna make an exhaustive list, but we know that during our weeks, there is a fracturing that can come. And that, and that things that divide us up as people can grow bigger and bigger. And worship is a force in the opposite direction of that. Now, I know that some of you have been a part of churches that have gone through what we called worship wars. And so you're thinking, well, I mean, I guess it could be, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, you know, but these times, this is where churches were very divided on how they should worship. And there was all kinds of arguments that came and churches split. I think most churches have made their way through that, those rapids now, but not every church has. Um, the big thing at the time in many churches was, well, should we do hymns? Should we only sing hymns or should we sing more contemporary songs? I know there was a denomination that split because uh, they, the, one, the one group wanted to sing um, hymns and psalms and the other group thought they should only sing psalms. And so they, they split, right? So these things happened. There was division that came out of our worship, right? But, but I think if we take a closer look, <laughs> even in that, it wasn't the act of worshiping that tore people apart, right? It was the arguments that people were having around how they should worship. And even in those times, when people made the choice to walk in submission to one another, when people made the choice to partake in styles of worship that were outside of their comfort or preference, that worship that happened was a strong, beautiful, unifying force in the church. So I actually just wanted to, as we talk about worship as a, as, a, as, a, as a unifying force, this is where I wanted to draw a picture. I hope this was tested. I've had bad luck with these in the past. Uh, so I just wanted to draw a picture, uh, and you will get very quickly that I am not an artist, at least not a visual one. Um, but I think I've drawn something like this before. So, so this is the idea. This is how this works, right? So this, I'm going to draw a picture of, to me, this is... A church okay does that make sense that's a church everybody on the same page maybe not some of you are okay this is what I mean when I say this is a church this is Jesus the center of the church the Bible sometimes uses the language of the head of the church ontologically um, this and then all this around it that's us right we people all of the people and Jesus at the center, that's a church, <laughs> okay? Now, here's the interesting thing. All of these dots and lines, you may notice, are kind of pointed in all sorts of different directions, right? That's the fracturing that happens, right? We all, we're all kind of at different proximities and in different areas, and you could put whatever axes you wanted on this, actually. You could be like, oh, there's like, you know, well, this side is the more progressive side, and this is the more conservative side, or this is the more, like, whatever axes you want to put on this, you've got all these people all around Jesus, right? The goal, the thing that worship does, if we are all kind of looking different ways and looking different directions, in worship, we all start looking towards Jesus, right? 
in worship, we all fix our eyes in that same direction. Now, we might still be in different places, right? We probably are. We're probably all looking from different angles and different perspectives, but the unifying force of worship is this gravitational center that as we turn our eyes to him, draws us in closer and closer. And that is the picture of unity that comes out of all of us on a Sunday, turning our eyes and singing, what a friend we have in Jesus, right? We all turn our eyes, we sing that song, we remember that truth, and we are united as one people, confessing a truth about our Lord and Savior, yeah? Here's the really interesting thing. I also think that this works, not just when this is a church, but when this same diagram is a person, right? Not just any person, when this same diagram is a Christian, right? Jesus sits at the center. And all throughout our weeks, right, we said this, and I got a lot of nods, we go out and the atomizing forces pull us apart, <laughs> right? There's a force in this direction, there's a pull in this direction, there's a thing here and a this there, and we get torn and torn apart. And in worship, we intentionally turn our minds and our hearts to the center and we allow ourselves to be pulled in towards our Lord. So in worship, our church and ourselves are brought into a deeper wholeness, right? We see the disparate parts turned in and focused on Jesus and hopefully moving like moths to a flame. And this is where I want to point us to the other part of this psalm about worship that we're talking about today. So let me read. I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to read to the end. So verse 6, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of this house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Now we've talked about it before, but it bears saying again, the Old Testament word that we translate as peace is a big deal, right? The word is shalom. And peace is just such an inadequate translation of shalom. We think about, when we think about peace, we usually just think about the absence of conflict, right? But shalom peace is about wholeness. It is about restoration. It is about things being as they were truly meant to be. There's the image of things as they were in the garden, right? The, the, the created intention. This is, what, this is what Eugene Peterson writes on it. He says, shalom gathers all aspects of wholeness that can result from God's will being completed in us. Say that again. Shalom, it gathers all aspects of wholeness that result from God's will being completed in us. It is the work of God that when complete, releases streams of living water in us and pulsates with eternal life. Every time Jesus healed, every time Jesus forgave, Every time Jesus called someone, we have, we have a demonstration of shalom. This is the unifying fruit of worship. 
a shalom peace. It comes from God as we turn towards him with our whole selves, which is leaning in to be who he has created us to be. So the pilgrims, as they prepare for worship, all the tribes come together, right? Verse 4. And then there's this prayer for shalom, shalom, shalom. This prayer for peace, peace, peace. And then it concludes with what at first seemed like a really puzzling verse to me. It says, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. I always get scared when I hear the word prosperity in the Bible as a person preaching because there's some negative connotations sometimes with that. Um, It's a little weird, right? For the sake of your house, I will seek your prosperity. Okay. But again, the word we translate as prosperity is communicating a lot more than our English gloss, right? The word here is shalva. And it is really an extension of this idea of peace. It's not about abundant wealth. It's, it's really communicating this idea of like security, right? Uh, it, the, the kind of security or safety that we can have only when we know that we are safe. The idea of seeking the shalva, seeking the prosperity of God's house is about being so safe in God's care, so safe in his protection, so safe in our understanding of him as our refuge and our protector that we can enter into leisure. (laughs) That's the word shalva, (laughs) this leisure that we can enter into. We can enter into play because we know that he is watching over us. Jen Lay this week, she mentioned to me um, uh, this new worship song that she had been listening to. And one of the lyrics really stood out to her. It was called, it's, it's, the worship song is Miracle Power by We the Kingdom. And they sing, I may not know what a day may bring, but I know who brings the day. This is what it looks like to live in God's peace and to enter into his shalva, enter into his prosperity. So you can imagine how this as well is a beautiful unifying force because it is often the perception of scarcity, the desire to guard and protect, the fear that motivates us to put up boundaries and barriers and to try to control. And in this psalm, worship is a movement of reorientation that helps us rest secure in God and as a result allows us to be united as one in ways that without God's help, we could never be united as one. That is the power of worship, and that is a worship that makes way for joy. Amen? So as as our fractured bits return to one another, to wholeness, and we, through faith, are able to enter into a truer and fuller rest because of the truth that comes from remembering who God is and what he can do, So that, that's, that's the way that it comes. Oh, did I go two pages? Let me go here. <laughs> so that is the power of worship. That is the, the worship that makes way for joy as the fractured bits return to wholeness, right? So this is, this is the thing I was coming back to. This is not an optional part of the Christian journey. Worship is essential for our health as followers of Jesus. So, so, so quickly, we've experienced this fracturing in ourselves and our communities, right? And as disciples, what we need to do is regularly lean 
in, to see ourselves and our communities drawn back into wholeness. And it is a process worth delighting in. I can distinctly remember the first time that I got to attend a church again in person after COVID. So Raven and I were also, we were in some life transitions and we moved overseas during COVID, which I don't recommend, but worked out really well for us. Um, And I can distinctly remember after our quarantine over there and all of those things, and we had been, I had just left the church where I'd been working and all the things happened. So we hadn't been at church for quite a while. And we finally get to go again and we're all masked up and all these things. But I can remember that those rhythms, standing, sitting, praying, listening, reading, not just by myself, though that is good, but in the fellowship of other believers, I can remember there was something so good, there was something so rich that came from it. Right? It was like I'd been so thirsty, right? I've been so all of the atomizing for the, you know, I hadn't been pushed back by that regular return. And it was like, like streams of living water, right? And I remember so visit vividly because the first Sunday when we were back to in-person worship at the church, we were attending at the time, they celebrated communion. And I remember I was on the verge of tears being able to take communion again, to eat and drink again with my siblings in Christ to in action remember the tearing and the fracturing of Jesus' body, which made a way for me, for us, to return to wholeness, right? To return into forgiveness, into restored relationships, into peace, and yes, into God's prosperity, right? Into his leisure, into into, to delight in a place of leisure with him and with his people. So this morning we are blessed to have communion as a part of our worship as well. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.